The future of work and the future for workers is changing. From new technologies and talent strategies to the management of tomorrow's workforce. Tap in to Manpower Group Talent Solutions' 60 years of expertise and join us for the Transform Talent podcast, your guide to talent market trends, new technologies and winning talent solutions. And welcome to the 14th episode of the Transform Talent Podcast. This is Roberta Cucchiaro and Dominica Gaussa. For today's episode, we are traveling to Australia and we will talk about the Australian Defence Force, which we refer to as ADF, and the Australian Veterans Employers Coalition. We will be talking about the Australian Department of Defence's journey, supporting 5,500 permanent ADF members annually as they transition to civilian life, and we will learn about the Transition for Employment, also known as T4E program. And we will touch upon the challenges that ADF members face when transitioning to civilian life and the value of their experience as many organizations find veterans to be some of the best hires due to their ability to collaborate, problem solve and thrive under pressure, we ask how all these programs have help ADF members to not only transition to civilian life, but also to translate the skills learned during military service to a civilian job. So for this episode, we are very excited to be joined by Kim Mills, who's acting director of transition coaching and support within the defense member and family support branch of the Australian Department of Defense. Welcome, Kim, to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. Lovely to have you here. And we are also joined by Meredith Wilson, former chair and now special advisor of the Australian Veterans Employer Coalition, also known as AVEC, and the cultural strategist, executive coach and mentor. Welcome, Meredith, to the podcast. Thank you. And Susan Cummins, who is our account director at Talent Solutions Right Management, and she's also the link between our organizations at Manpower Group Talent Solutions and the Australian Defence Force and AVEC. Welcome, Susan, and thank you for bringing us all together. A pleasure. So we want to start with you, Kim, first. And I would like to ask you to, you know, if you can share with us a bit about your career, your your link to this topic. And I'm really curious to hear from you, what do you think are the biggest challenges faced by the military wanting to transition to a civilian role? Mm, thanks, Roberta. Well, it's lovely to be here today. A little bit about me. Um, I joined the Department of Defence back in 2017 as uh, an Australian public servant. My role at that point was to assist Defence to design and deliver a program called the Transition for Employment Program. And the key focus of that new program was to assist those members medically transitioning with the most complex of psychosocial circumstances into uh, a civilian life, many of which would not normally have either established employment or meaningful engagement upon transition. So I've been with uh, the Department of Defence now for uh, five years. um, And over that period of time, we have gone through um, quite a comprehensive transformation in the transition space. And I think that that really started in 2017. And Defence actually recognises that transition from military service to civilian life um, can actually be a significant life-changing event, which 
in itself brings about periods of uncertainty for members and their family. So Defence recognising this has over a period of time developed a suite of uh, transition support services that actually assist members based on their individual need. We started this process in 2017 um, and underneath the Transition Transformation Program. And during this time, Defence actually consulted very widely with not only transitioning members, but former ADF members as well, and also with industry to understand what some of the complexities and challenges were that military members experience as they transition out. A majority of members, I think it's really important to note, do transition out voluntary out of the, the military, and most have secured employment prior to transition. Um, however, what we've found is uh, one of the biggest challenges is members understanding the knowledge, skills and attributes that they have acquired throughout their military service and how that can contribute to uh, the civilian work environment. However, we find that it's the soft skills that really has those military members standing out in the crowd and things like leadership skills, time management skills, teamwork, resilience, endurance, loyalty, respect, dedication and uh, focus and certainly being considered under pressure really are those attributes that civilian employers are looking for these days. To find all of those skills neatly packaged up in one individual, uh, I think really is like stumbling across a unicorn. So as you mentioned, transitioning to civilian life brings its challenges. Uh, but, but on the other hand, uh, many organisations find veterans to be some of the best hires as you mentioned, to the ability to collaborate, problem solve and thrive under pressure. So I'm just curious to hear a bit more about, you know, how are you teaching veterans to translate skills learned during military service to a civilian job? So we have a number of support mechanisms wrapped around members to assist them in translating these uh, their military skill sets. Each transitioning member is paired with a Certificate for Qualified Career Coach who works with the member and their family in a one-on-one -on -one environment to develop a transition plan. And that transition plan is in individualised to the member and the family's needs. As part of these coaching sessions, coaches will identify or work with the member to identify their military skill sets and transition translate these then into industry language. This is also supported by the suite of services provided by right management. In particular, it's about helping members identify civilian career goals, their competency and capability mapping modules, um, and that takes the member from what they've trained and learned during their military career and aligning that with a civilian uh, employment opportunity that sometimes has the same skills. And we're also now looking at other aspects around meaningful engagement and sense of purpose and, and what is it that a member loves to do and can we help them find a civilian equivalent. So building on that, one of the activities that's frequently uh, undertaken is to participate in a, an assessment. We use Berkman as the, the assessment to do that. And that really helps people identify career job families, activities they might like to do, stress behaviours if their needs aren't being met. And it can really help craft that initial thought and build upon that military career to help really identify what will be the avenues that are really going to make someone's heart sing post their military career. And that's what our coaches work very closely with a member to identify that on a one-on-one -on -one basis, what is really going to be that unique 
job or meaningful engagement that's really going to make the person really happy post their defence career. I'm glad you mentioned uh, assessment to identify transferable skills, Susan, because this reminds me of the Game to Work campaign for which we won the Shorty Award this year, actually. And uh, with the Game to Work campaign, Manpower Group launched our Gaming Skills Translator in 13 countries. And the purpose of this was to translate people's video gaming experience into soft skills, eventually improving their employability. So, so it's a great example of how transferable skills are everywhere. So we were talking about the military and now you know, it's relevant for gamers as well. And with gaming, it's, uh, it's really interesting actually, because we must not forget that in August 2020, video games sales were up 37% year over year and gaming itself 75%. So this meant that we had a lot of young people during the lockdowns stuck at home, out of a job and in front of a computer, gaming. And in order to be good at gaming, you need to have a very particular set of soft skills, which can actually really easily translate to the job market. But you need to be able to identify those skills. You need to be able to understand what you're good at, what you want to do, what you enjoy. It's interesting that Kim has recently been sharing what's your game plan? And so there's an interesting link um, between that. So it is about helping people be prepared and have a, a really good game plan when they are planning to transition. Yeah, absolutely. Roberta, I'm glad you clarified that you were talking about video games because in my head I was thinking Olympic games. <laughs> and so, you know, I've done a lot of work, you know, outside of this work, a lot of work tra um, identifying transferable skills for athletes, but also a lot of the volunteers who've worked on the Olympic games and how they will then transition into the workplace. So I'm glad you clarified video games because my head went to the, uh, the Olympic games. That's, that's really interesting, Meredith, and, and also the proof of what I was saying earlier, actually, that transferable skills are everywhere. You just need to be able to connect the dots. So going back to Kim, Kim, you already shared a bit of background on what the Australian Defence Force is doing, but I'm really interested, and I'm sure our listeners are as well, to understand all the components and mechanism you have available to offer this support. So can you tell us a bit more about the Transition Transformation Program, how it's set up, how it works, and how it has evolved in the last few years? Yeah, fantastic, Roberta. Yeah, we've actually had such a wonderful journey over the past four or five years uh, with the Transition Transformation Program. And we commenced this period of transformation to enhance the support for members and families back in 2017. And this came as after a period of consultation with veterans and also current serving members and their families at the time. I think it's really important to note, though, that transformation is not static. Um, we are constantly evolving our pro programs and responding to not only what industry wants, but also what the needs of the member and the family are as well. But in those early stages of transformation, we responded very quickly in 2017 with the introduction of inviting families, partners and families to the transition sessions as well, because what we know is that when a member is supported by the family and the partner, that quite often, uh, you know, I suppose a problem shared is a problem halved as well, but it's about that shared experience through the transition process. And in many instances, the family serves as well. So we want to make sure that they're supported through the process. 
We also stood up a transition or post-transition survey, which at that point was administered by right management and right management continued to deliver that for us. Initially, that survey was a 12-month survey that we deployed every three months to members after they transitioned. And that became a really rich source of qualitative and quantitative feedback and data for the Department of Defence. And it's played a really active role in um, in guiding us as to what members want and where to from here. The, um, the other thing we did really quickly was we stood up a job search preparation workshop and that workshop was there to support um, members and their families uh, to establish a career pathway as they were going through transition. And then finally, we professionalised our workforce by having all of our transition coaches uh, certified into a cert for in uh, career coaching. Now, that was because we actually moved more to a coaching model and moved away from an administrative model, uh, which was previously just a, I suppose, a tick and flick making sure that members had completed certain tasks. We moved away from that. In 2018, we, we also undertook a review of the Career Transition Assistance Program, which was um, a range of support available for members. This range of support was actually entitlement-based, so it was based on the years of service a member had rendered. So the first threshold was 12 years of service, and then a member would have access to, you know, CV writing. So it was based on tiers of years of service. What we actually realised in there, and this was certainly through some of the data that we received back through the post-transition survey, was that the average year of service was between seven and nine years of service. So in actual fact, we had a majority of our members transitioning from the military with not a great deal of support. So this was quite insightful for us. And, um, and based on that, we also found that, uh, and through this review, that the support that was available for members as well was limited in its range. Um, and also because it was delivered by a number of providers, it had varying degrees of, I suppose, quality over those service providers as well. So by leveraging all of this information, these new findings through this review, we were able to pivot really quickly and respond to what members uh, needed. Um, and we moved to now what we call the needs-based model. So regardless of how many years or how many days of service, as long as you have spent one day in uniform, you will get the same amount of support regardless based on your particular needs. Now, members work with their own transition coach and we work together to develop an individualised career plan and transition plan. So based on what that member and their family want to achieve post-transition, uh, we're able to customise that and where our coaches don't necessarily have the, um, the specialist skills to develop those career plans past transition for the member, we actually leverage our contract now with Right Management to deliver those support services. So... In 2019, um, Defence, realising that the, the support range was small, decided to expand that scope of work and approach the market for a single national provider of these services. So what we wanted to do was actually make sure that regardless of where a member transitioned out of, which part of Australia, or where they were transitioning to, their support services were consistent 
and they could transition out of, say, Perth on the west coast of Australia, move to Brisbane on the east coast of Australia, and they wouldn't need to tell their story again to their transition coach. They There would be a natural handover, a warm handover of their, their case files. Um, and so by moving to that single national provider model, we were able to provide that support to members. We also expanded the range of services. And so we certainly maintained the job search preparation workshop. And we've talked before about the transition for employment program that certainly stayed as well. We also included another program called the Personalised Career Employment Program. And that program was for our early leavers or for those members that are 18 to 30 years old, less than four years of service administratively or medically transitioning. And it's very similar to T4E, but is a three-month intensive program and, again, supported by the Job Connections team at the back end of that. So certainly about getting members into employment faster. And then we have the Career Transition Coaching Program, which can be delivered as an entire suite of services or based on the member's need could be modularised. And I often talk about this as though we're going shopping down uh, the supermarket with a member and based on their need, we're going to take different elements off the shelf to bake the cake, I suppose. So we look at personality profiling and uh, and use the Berkman profile to actually understand a member's sense of purpose and, uh, and needs and how they like to work and what that civilian career might look like. We have civilian goal setting, competency and capability mapping, personal branding and marketing, job search skills, interview skills, negotiation skills, We also have another module called adjustment coaching, and that actually helps a lot of our military members adjust to a civilian work environment, which sometimes can be a little difficult coming from, you know, an environment where it's very structured and ordered into a civilian work environment, which may be less so. And then we also have um, modules there as well for uh, those members that might be retiring outside of working. I think then from there, what we've started to do more recently, um, 2020, 2021, is we've now started to move into more of a human security aspect. So we're putting a human security lens over all of the things that we're doing and, and asking ourselves is what we're actually providing considering all of the aspects of overarching well-being. And with that in mind, we're actually now looking at support through seven key factors of housing, health, social connectivity, which we know is very important for members when they transition out. We're also looking at finances, transport, housing, education, and meaningful engagement. And so when the members work with their transition coaches and through the support of right management, we certainly look at that employment and meaningful engagement and retirement aspect. But where some of the support that is required falls outside of that, the coaches actually leverage other support that is available throughout defence and through the defence member and family support branch to support members. And so we're thinking about things now like the Australian Defence Force Financial Support Consumer Centre, um, which help members budget and plan for their financial wellbeing and literacy post-transition. We're also looking at health requirements for Joint Health Command and certainly, again, the Australian Defence College with some of that education elements. Our coaches also work very closely with some of the external um, agencies very close to us, such as the Department of Veterans Affairs, 
and the Commonwealth Superannuation Corporations as well. And so the coaches are linking members into the veteran support officer network around Australia, which helps members with their medical claims. And, and ultimately, by now moving into this uh, human security framework, the purpose is really to assist the member and their family to take ownership over their transition and help them prepare for and succeed in, in civilian life. Thank you, Kim. That was actually a very clear explanation and it helps to understand how inclusive your program is and how it's able to make an impact on all members equally. So very closely related to this topic, we have the AVAC. The AVAC is the Australian Veterans Employers Coalition. And the AVAC is leading the way for Australian organizations who are committed to improving employment outcomes for transitioning service members, job-seeking veterans and their partners as well. And AVEC's job portal uses a veteran's profile information to match the military skill set with corporate role requirements and making that link. So the question is for you, Meredith, as former chair and now special advisor of AVEC, what is the story behind the AVEC? What was the idea behind it? How was it created? And how does it work? Well, um, before Kim and the program that she's talking about commenced, um, going back kind of seven or eight years now, I was actually looking to uh, fill a talent hole in one of one of our businesses, um, coal mines in central Queensland. And we were looking for a workforce that was going to break the mould and bring some different thinking while also bringing the necessary skills. And so my uh, leadership team and I had been brainstorming about where we could find this talent that would be safety-oriented and team-minded and would appreciate company-provided accommodation and would consider relocating their families to that part of the world. And we kind of came up with this idea of hiring veterans. But we then found the process of actually finding veterans and sourcing that talent quite challenging. Uh, None of us had any connections to the Defence Force or any veterans ourselves, and so we really didn't know where the front door was. Uh, And in the process of stumbling around looking for the front door, I met a, a bunch of great people, some of whom were also looking for the front door and some who had the door open and welcomed us in. And so the group of employers that were looking to hire veterans that I spoke with, we uh, came together in a coalition and uh, we're all private employers and the employers, there are about 10 on the steering committee and then there's a range of kind of membership options available for organisations depending on their size and scale. There's some very well-known Australian brands uh, around the table and there's also some less well-known brands that are large Australian employers. Uh, and together we kind of came up with this idea that in the Department of Defence we're doing a lot of work on improving veteran transition and employment outcomes and employers were not really ready. They might have been veteran friendly, but we wanted to help them get to be veteran ready. And so we talked about this continuum where employers would move from being veteran friendly through to veteran ready. And we did a lot of work initially, careers fairs and the kinds of activities that you might have seen before in trying to kind of engage talent, particularly when it was coming out in large cohorts. But we wanted to find something that was scalable, that would 
would support employers across Australia and also regardless of their size. So large Australian employers have got HR and talent acquisition teams that could turn up to a seminar and uh, would, could host a stall at an at a careers events, but you know the mum and dad welder in uh, in you know in uh, Toowoomba, which your your listeners may need to Google to find, but uh, it's a long way from um, many many places. You know that they would struggle to actually have representation at some of these kinds of events, and so how do we make it more accessible for a broader range of employers? And so we created this coalition. And the idea was that the employers that were a bit more advanced down the journey would be able to share their lessons, promote the benefits of hiring veteran talent uh, and actually connect veteran talent with veteran-friendly employers. And we also identified that it, it wasn't just veterans or those who were transitioning out of the Defence Force. It was also uh, veterans who were active reservists and so needed to be able to maintain the flexibility of their work with their reserve commitments. And also the families, so the partners and families of currently serving um, members of the Defence Force who, you know, on a posting cycle um, may move from one part of the country to another. And so we were looking for employers that could provide portability of roles. So if, you know, one of Australia's largest supermarkets is part of the coalition. And so if you were working in a store on the West Coast and you were transferred to the southwest of Australia, that you could actually have a seamless or frictionless move and continue your your career. So you know, it, there was a range of kind of areas that we felt we could add value. There was a lot of work being done. And you said before, what, you know, what training are you providing or assistance are you providing in helping veterans translate skills? What we've done is actually capture that in a portal. And it, it, there are a lot of people helping veterans translate their skills into civilian or corporate language. There was no one helping the private sector or employers translate the military skills into corporate speak or into their role requirements. So it was really helping to just take that bridge one one step further to actually articulate and and match those skills with the role requirements of employers who were looking for talent. Thank you, Meredith, for sharing more background on the AVEC. When thinking about the support given to a job seeker looking to translate their skills into something new, I'm also thinking about the need to support their family members, partners and spouses. Kim already mentioned some of the work the ADF is doing through the Transition Transformation Program. And I'd love to hear from Susan and you, Meredith, as well how you incorporate family members into your work. I think it's really interesting when you talk about partners and how if partners can also be taken care of during that posting cycle, it actually can impact on retention as well and and everyone's happiness in the work life that defence and and military service sort of provides. So one of the things that's, uh, I think, well, there's two key things around the the PIAP program and partners um, we will definitely recommend that the, the partners, spouses put their information onto the AVEC portal. It's, so that's one very key element. The second element I just wanted to build upon was around the job connections team. If you are posted to a state you've not lived in before, you don't have family and friends around, you don't have many connections, 
rather than just have a, a list of veteran-friendly organisations, that team will actively find the unique opportunities that match that partner's career goals and their desires. So if they want to have a particular role in a particular industry, that team will find all of those warm opportunities and make introductions to those companies. So it's a very unique service that is provided to partners and spouses and one that's held in quite high regard because they will find opportunities that do not exist otherwise. They're often hidden. Oh, valuable, Susan. I, I, I should say too that we also offer the service to the children of currently serving Defence Force members. If you think about teenagers who are looking for, you know, kind of a casual job to supplement their pocket money or whatever that's called these days, we have a number of large retailers who are members of the coalition and they are looking for, you know, kids who are looking for those casual jobs from the age of kind of 14 or 15. Um, and so we also support the families of those who are currently serving members. So I think that's really important. We often focus on partners, but actually, you know, as Kim and Susan have said, the the happiness of the home unit is so um, vital to sustaining talent um, in the Defence Force. And so, yes, partners are important, but actually so are the children. So it's a great source of talent for those retailers and it's good continuity for the children as they move around the country. Mm, absolutely. Now that's very, very interesting actually. And like you said, it's uh, it helps the whole family be happy with, with a new move, which is already hard by itself. It's great to hear that um, there is this kind of uh, support for the whole family. So I would like to just move a little bit towards uh, more Susan now. Kim already mentioned it briefly, but uh, well, a, a successful transition uh, needs the right support. It, it needs coaching as well. And I know in 2018, we launched the Transition for Employment, which we also call the T4E program. And it's a successful transition support program, which incorporates both career coaching and specialist employment services, very much, very closely aligned to the ADF members' sense of purpose. So Susan, um, can you tell us a bit more, what's the story behind the T4E program and how do you link between all of them? So how do you work together with the ADF and AVEC uh, to address all of the challenges? I think I would like Kim to start the story about T3 because it's, a, I think, a very deeply personal story that starts with Kim that then moves very nicely into how right management supports. And it's been very much a partnership whilst we're the contracted Commonwealth provider. We've worked very hard together on delivering really positive outcomes for members who are referred by defence to right management. So I think we need to cover that first part of the story as to how they do become referred to right management. So, Kim, I'm handling that one back to you. <laughs> Thanks, Suze. Um, so, yes, T4E is, is a deeply personal program for me, something I'm very passionate about and certainly the reason why I came into defence. Um, I was very fortunate to land into a program or land into an opportunity with my director and my director general who gave me the um, creative license to design a program that would take care of our most complex 
wounded, ill and injured members, many of which who would transition from the military medically and, and would not necessarily find either employment or meaningful engagement post-transition. I think what was really important about that was knowing that employment and meaningful engagement is one of the major contributing factors to overarching well-being. And so if we can find members an opportunity to, to re-engage back into um, the, the social side of of civilian world, then our outcomes would be far more successful for them. So the concept around T4E and the the design was to move away from the once a mechanic, always a mechanic mentality and seek to understand why members originally pull on a uniform and what was that sense of purpose and what was the calling to the military to start with. And when a member could no longer do that work in the military, could we possibly find them a civilian equivalent that would bring them that same sense of purpose that their military career once did? We also decided uh, and designed T4E to support members for up to two years. And this gave members time to plan and work through the process as a pace that was sympathetic to their injuries and illnesses. And noting that this cohort of members had additional complexities um, in their lives that needed to be managed in addition to the normal transition process. So, um, yes, very special program. It's been now um, active since uh, 24th of July 2018 and, um, and I've seen it uh, deliver such, such wonderful outcomes for members. Um, maybe we could share some of that a little bit later on. Well, and I think last week the 245th member landed Meaningful Engagement and we celebrate every time someone lands Meaningful Engagement and we keep using that term because full-time employment may not be the goal. The goal is about purpose. It is about being meaningfully engaged and wanting to get up pressed and ready in whatever form that looks like in your post-defence career. It could be volunteering and in Australia to volunteer, you are going to need a resume and you're probably going to need to be interviewed. So there are still those skills that people need to learn about how do I explain what I've done and what is the benefit that I can bring to this organisation that I'm going to now be volunteering with or working with, you know, through my retirement or it might be, you know, full-time employment that I'm going to be interviewed with as well. So we've taken very much the the view in right management that this particular cohort, you know, they were often injured or wounded whilst they were serving us. So it's been our real honour to serve them as they find what's next for them that's going to make their heart sing. So it, it really is deeply special to our whole team, as it is for every member and partners who are having career support. But it holds a very special part in my heart and, and many other people too. It's difficult to, to um, come after uh, this, Susan. It was beautifully said. But thinking about the journeys of uh, successful member experiences with the program, why don't you share with me the one successful member experience that, that really resonates with you? Well, I think one of them really busted the myth, you know, that once a mechanic, always a mechanic. You know, that's everyone assumes that or... You know, once you've done this particular role, you can only do this after you've you've done that particular work. And we had one fellow who was in a, a hardcore, very physical role within the army, and he found his passion and he is making pet accessories. 
and uh, he loves it. It it doesn't reflect, um, I guess, the day-to-day activity that he did when he serves, but the important thing is he has found his passion and uh, he's thriving whilst he's doing it as well. So many a, a myth has been busted because there is absolutely no predictor that what your past has said that you've done is going to predict what you're doing in the future. And many stories are, are very touching. And I think we had the hundredth person who landed as well, you know, said that having the support of uh, his right management coach helped him get out of bed every day. And, uh, you know, you know you're making a difference to people's lives, but it is very much a joint effort. Uh, it is very much from Defence Member Family Services and the transition coaching support that's provided and right management, it is a joint effort. Um, so uh, there's no one taking the crown by themselves there. I just want to make that point very clear. And then through the, the AVEC process, of course, that could be the source of where we're finding what the next meaningful role might be. But the important thing is it is the the member that's at the centre of the model. So if someone calls me and says, Suze, we'd really like six truck drivers, can we have six truck drivers? I will say, let's see if anyone wants to be a truck driver. And if that's the case, fabulous. But that's not the angle we're coming from. We're coming from what is going to make that person's heart sing. And that opportunity might be found through the AVEC portal. It might be something so completely unique and different um, that we have to go hunting for that particular unique opportunity for that person. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, the the personalization element is key. Every person is different and you need to understand, like you said, what what makes their heart sink um, to each of them. Meredith, uh, Kim, Suzanne, it was great uh, you know, to hear about all the programs that you're running, about the amazing work that you've been doing and you will be doing. So just to close off, I have the final question to all of you. Tell us uh, and the listeners about your proudest memory from the past years as you have been helping thousands of members uh, transition to a new role. What I'm proudest of is connecting the veterans who who had perhaps a more, you know, maybe a role that might have starred in a in a movie, people outside of the defence force and that that realm might only recognise, so a submariner or a sniper or an infantry or artillery or some of the roles where there isn't a very easy translation into the corporate world. I think where someone is a project manager or they have logistics experience, it's an easier case to put forward to hiring them and the skills, you know, translation is pretty obvious. But for those guys and girls that um, that had roles that do not have anything like that available in in the corporate world, you know, some of those placements and connections have been the ones that I've really been most proud of. And it required some imagination on the part of the hiring leader or hiring organisation. And it provided, it required some preparedness to try something new and some courage from the veteran themselves. And so, you know, that's when kind of magic happens is when you can kind of create that connection and that opportunity. Um, I think for me, uh, there's there's a couple of different aspects that I'm most proud of here. I think certainly the team that I work with on a daily basis um, might sound a little corny, but they are dynamic and they are passionate and they care very deeply about 
the members and ensuring that those that put a blanket of freedom over us every night are actually taken care of as they transition back into civilian life. Um, I'm also really quite proud of how defence continues to evolve and we're continuing to address as the the challenges and the barriers uh, to transition emerge for members, we're very quick to respond to that and and look for ways to reduce risk for members and to support as best we can and also support families. So we've constantly got that continuous improvement lens over everything we do. But I think for me, the, the greatest joy is um, when we have that opportunity to work with members. And, you know, I've, I've had certainly that for the first 86 members in, in T4E to work so closely with them and have some members that had, I suppose, were really challenged with that level of uncertainty around what their next chapter of their life would look like. And when you can talk to them about what support is available to them and how they can actually harness the strength and, and their military career to have the next chapter of their life, I think when we frame transition as just the next mission, it's just the next mission, it, it's really lucky. And, it, it, you know, I find myself very grateful to actually work in that space. You know, it's the cherry on top for me and it's certainly why I get out of bed every day. And I think it's worth celebrating. The Australian Defence Force has put in place some extraordinary support for the men and women who've served our country uh, as they, they transition out. I guess I have the great honour of collating every week the stories from our coaches mm. and the diversity of the, the, the landings, the stories that the, the partners, the spouses and the members are landing into post-serving. It's extraordinary and um, it's one of the highlights of my week is sending the highlights to defence and letting them know what the men and women have achieved through their transition program. So it's a real highlight for me. It's my career highlight um, doing this work. As I said before, it's a real honour to be supporting the ADF and, and the members who've served us. That, that's nice. And I, I think one of the most rewarding experiences I think it can be in life or in a career is knowing that what you do makes someone else happy. Uh, so I think that uh, you make their life easier, you make them happier, you make their heart sing, like you said, uh, Susan. I think that it's, it's beautiful to hear uh, what all of you are doing. And it was a really, really interesting uh, conversation. And I have learned a lot. So hopefully our listeners uh, have as well. So Thank you so much for joining us today on the 14th episode of the Transform Talent Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. And to all our listeners, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review in your favorite podcast listening app. See you at the next episode. Bye-bye. The Transform Talent Podcast, because we know the right talent transforms organizations and helps your business flourish. Talent Solutions, Business and Talent Aligned.